Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hey, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. And Peter, you just sound lovely today. I know. I know. I'm a little bit under the weather, but it's all right. No COVID over here. Just normal old changing of season allergy slash cold slash whatever the heck I got going on over here. Yep. And we can't stop the signal. We got to get our Sunday show going. We're actually recording this one Saturday morning because we had internet issues uh, the day before. So uh, if you're listening to this right now, it was after a lot of hard effort, especially on Peter's part, because you're going to edit this one. And I got my deep, sexy voice going on as well. So, I mean, I can barely concentrate on talking. Like, you're just so, <laughs> so wonderful right now. <laughs> yes. Well, we're powering through for the people. It's all for the people. For the people. And for the people, we're doing something a little bit special for you today. We had uh, three different games to talk about, but all of them are either light, like to the point where we weren't sure if we could do five points on them, or... They are heavily related to a game we've already covered in the past. So instead, we picked uh, three games that kind of compare to them in different ways, and we're going to do a back-and-forth comparison between the three games. You're kind of getting three reviews and three comparisons in one efficient episode. You might say they're very similar to each other. Oh, that's a reference to one of the games we're going to cover, Peter. Look at you. Cold medication has not dulled your senses. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. So the games we're going to cover are Similo, Crime Zoom, and The Crew, Mission Deep Sea. So it'll be fun to cover three different things. We've never done an episode like this, but look at that. Mike, after like four years, we're still evolving. Still evolving, still innovating. We are elevating and moving upwards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, before we get into the episode... We can talk a bit about games we've been playing, but first we want to thank our amazing patrons and also a shout out. uh, This happened last weekend, but if you didn't see it, all the videos are up on our streaming channel. We did our second annual Extra Life stream where we play board games basically all day. Extra Life is something that mainly video game streamers do, but some board game streamers like us are getting into it too. And it's raising money for children's hospitals. We raised over $1,600 So a big thank you to everyone who contributed, who watched the streams. And again, if you haven't checked out the streaming channel, we have like 10 great plays or something just from last weekend up there. And uh, Peter's been playing even more this week. So it's pretty awesome if you've not looked at it. And again, big thank you. But also a big thank you to our patrons. They continue to help us support the show. It costs money to put on the podcast. It costs money to uh, get cold medicine for Peter. (laughs) It costs money to buy the games. It costs money to get our equipment. So we could not do it without you. Uh, This week, we're thanking Cody, a co-op lover. Mitch Tucker, also a co-op lover. And Julian Geisler, also a co-op lover. So Cody, Mitch, and Julian, thank you so much. And thanks to all our patrons and everyone who's a part of our little community. So you know what I learned from Extra Life? What did you learn? People don't really like us. <laughs> because you had a choice to like buy perks that could either help us or hurt us. And in both situations, people ended up killing us at the end of our uh, games. No, they were like, oh, you're about to win. By the way, draw 20 extra tokens and bullet. Or, oh, you're about to win. Let me just kill off one of your characters. Nope, that's not happening. Well, see, that, that was a calculated strategy because... I think people love Colin. He started the channel. He's a a gentle, kind man with a dulcet, soothing voice. And people love Steve. You know, he's the one who put together the entire Extra Life thing. And and Berndt at Meet Me at the Table. And Jason Perez with all the great stuff he's doing. But you and me, Peter, 
no one likes us. So I knew that they would just want to kill us because it was only our streams, I think, where people paid money <laughs> to see us lose. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, it was very fun. But I mean, if you watch the video, we're like very excited. We're at the end. We're like, yeah, we're going to pull it out. We're going to do it. And then all this money came in. No, take wounds, die, die. And I was like, oh, no. That's not great. I mean, I loved it. It was my favorite part of the entire night. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was very fun. It was very funny. It created moments. So thank you, Nick. I appreciate that for creating that first moment. And then like four people killed us in the bullet game. It wasn't one. Brian gave us the most bullets, but there, there were a whole bunch <laughs> of people. Yeah. So that was awesome. But uh, Mike, what you been playing? So it's weird. Uh, I have been playing several things, but they aren't good. And I'm, I'm having some very <laughs> negative reviews, two very negative reviews. So I'll just say the names of the game, but you can wait for my thoughts when those reviews pop. I don't like doing these, but these are games that I want to caution people against. So Dune House Secrets, which is from Portal. Nope. And Deep Space D6 Armada, which has just been delivering to Kickstarter backers. That one is maybe salvageable if the designer keeps on adding like revisions and people like house ruling. But that's also a big nope right now, too. But to more positive things, we have games coming. <laughs> so like, you know, with the shipping crisis, things have been held up. So I'm getting like a ton of stuff all at once. So uh, yesterday, Merchants of the Dark Road from Elf Creek Games came. That's a uh, Euro with a solo mode. And then uh, tomorrow, Role Player Adventures and Final Girl, two of the Kickstarters I'm most excited to receive, are both coming. And Monday, I can't say too much yet. Peter and I designed a game for Blacklist Games with a pretty famous video game IP. And uh, on Monday, the prototype is supposed to be coming so that we can record some videos and you all can hear what the game is and see it in action. And hopefully, fingers crossed, a week from the day we're recording this, which would be Saturday, November 20th, you should be able to uh, see what our new game is going to be and hopefully get hyped and excited. I'm hyped and excited. <laughs> I- I'm hyped and excited too. I can't wait to actually play a real thing. And I want to play with my kids because they've been hearing me talk about it, but it's all been on TTS. So I have awesome things to look forward to this coming week. This past week was a little bit more of a downer. <laughs> with the- with so some- what you're saying is you have nothing good to talk about and you're just like hoping that these new games that come in are as good as you hope they are. Well, the thing is I've played role player adventures. I've played final girl and clearly I've played the game that we designed. None of those are going to be bad. <laughs> like unless they were like, you know what? That thing we said in the prototype that that was terrible. Let's let's change the entire product. And also I've already heard people who have received these like uh Gutak who's on our discord. He got final girl a while ago because it came to China much more quickly and he's loving it. And he's saying the exact same stuff I was saying back when I played it. And Role Player Adventures, Colin already has it. And he's already been playing with Monica, his wife. So, no, no, I- I'm fully confident these will be great. Wash the stank of uh, <laughs> the things I've been playing a little bit away. Uh, yes, I need that. Yeah, we talked about House Secrets a couple weeks ago, if you want to hear more of our thoughts on those. And then you're going to have more in-depth thoughts after having played more. But, yeah, so some good reviews to look forward to us doing. I know I'm excited to do Final Girl here pretty soon because I have not played that one yet. Well, yeah, and I, I think you only played, did you play the intro mission of Role Player Adventures with me? Yep, that's all I've played. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest of it looks like. But how about you, Peter? I know you've been playing a lot of uh, Crisis Protocol, right? Yeah, so I've played a couple games that actually have a lot more similarities than I realized they did when I played them independently of each other. And they're both miniatures games. One is Marvel Crisis Protocol and the other is Sky Terror. And Sky Terror just had their new solo mode released for free on their website. So if you have the starter box or, I mean, both of these games have really good TTS mods as well. The Sky Terror one is definitely official and the Crisis Protocol one the mod for that actually has an AI built in. 
So the AI just kind of does the AI actions automatically for the crisis protocol mod that they built. So it's pretty cool. It takes a little bit to to learn. There's a little bit of learning curve there, but really cool. But I've been playing them both on the table and crisis protocol is the first game I think I've ever fully painted before actually playing the game. So I've had many miniatures games I played over my life, never painted one before. It's been really fun. The superheroes, I don't know. There's something about them that just inspires me. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So uh, which of the two do you think you're liking more of the two skirmish games? So Sky Terror is good, I think, for learning the game. There's not a lot of variety in there yet. You could play with six different AI characters, but your goal's always the same and what you're doing is always the same. Now, there's lots of options as far as characters you can build and decks you can build and stuff like that. So I think that's good for learning the game. I think the AI is really clever. It works really well. I don't know that there's a lot of variety in there, though. Whereas Crisis Protocol If you just play the one official mod, again, I think you're going to get a lot out of it from building different teams, things like that. But there's about 100 different solo scenarios designed by somebody on BoardGameGeek. I think there's going to be a lot more replay there. And honestly, Crisis Protocol, there's just something in it that is calling to me lately. I don't know if it's a superhero thing. I don't know what it is. I've enjoyed both of them quite a bit. But if it's up to me right now, I'm going to be playing more Crisis Protocol. Now, I played a bit of Sky Terror with you, including uh, the earlier draft of these rules. I, I thought of Sky Terror as having a ton of variety because there's so many different heroes. Do the solo rules not really like allow you to use those different heroes too much? Yeah, so the original Sky Terror game is meant to be a scenario-based game where you're picking three different goals, and those different goals are going to change what you're trying to do for the game. You might be trying to kill enemy heroes, things like that. The new version, they've streamlined it a lot. It's a much cleaner experience. I think it's a much better experience, but they've taken out those goals. So to make the AI work properly, they didn't want to have them have to focus on all these different goals. So it's really just blow up the enemy base right now is the only objective. Now, again, you're right. There is a lot of variety in different characters you you can use, you can play. I think if you want to play with the system, it's great to play with the system and play with the different characters and things. But as far as the mission itself, it's always going to be the same. Now, the AI is going to have different things that they do every turn also. And there are six different AI characters that you can choose from. You normally play with four, but you can even play against five, you know, because the AI sometimes will do stupid things as with all these games because they don't know what the board state is. So to increase the challenge, you can play even against against different enemies and more enemies. And they say they're coming up with new enemies going forward as well. They say they have two more in basically final draft. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of options there. You're right with the characters you're playing and the ones you're playing against, but the gameplay is always going to be the same. It's always going to be go destroy the thing, which, you know, I guess there can be plenty of variety in that as well. Cool. Well, yeah, I look forward to trying that with you because I enjoyed uh, the the version we played before. And if this one's better <laughs> and more streamlined, that's all to the good. And I know we're playing probably Crisis Protocol tonight, I think, right? We might even stream it potentially. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to get the – because, again, the TTS is – The harder part about Crisis Protocol, ironically, even though it's a really great mod and it does a lot of cool things, but because of that, it's sometimes hard to figure out how to do things. I don't know. Like Sometimes the more they do, the harder it is. Mm. So I'm going to try to figure that out today and play with Nick today. So, But I'm super excited about it. Yeah, so that might be up on our streaming channel as the time this goes up. The mod looks really cool, really nifty, and I'm just really enjoying it. There's over 100 characters released for Marvel Crisis Protocol already. So it's just a lot of variety there, a lot of different things. I haven't even explored past the core set right now. And so maybe that's why it's newer. I'm more excited about it. But I think, again, there I've had fun playing both of them, and they both play really smoothly. And so I'm enjoying that. Awesome, man. All right, so there we go. A few things that we've been playing or will be playing soon. 
And again, uh, cool news on the horizon. So we'll look out for that. I think those uh, videos will probably be on the main channel and also on Blacklist's own channel, at least for a couple of them. So uh, yeah, look out for that. And let's get into our comparison. So again, we're talking about uh, Similo and we're comparing it to Codenames, I guess, especially Codenames Duet, the cooperative one. Crime Zoom, comparing it to Chronicles of Crime, they're both detective games. And The Crew Mission Deep Sea compared to The Crew, not Mission Deep Sea. So I guess first let's jump into Similo and Codenames. Peter, you want to talk about like what Similo is all about? Because you're the one who introduced this to me. Yeah, so Similo, they're these little card packs. And basically, it's just pictures of either different animals or Disney princesses or whatever. That, that was Peter's favorite, Disney princesses. Yes, absolutely. It isn't even <laughs> Disney princesses. It's just Disney in general. And they have lots of different things. And I guess that's similar to Codenames as well, because Codenames gets into these licensed properties as well. So the way it works is you're going to have 12 cards out in front of you face up so all the characters can see. One of them will be chosen at random for the clue giver to give clues to everybody else that they're trying to get. And the way it works is you're going to have that clue giver is going to have a hand of five cards. They're going to place one down on the table. If they place it down vertically, that means that the clue has something to do with this grid of 12 cards you're trying to get them to guess one of. And if you place it horizontally, it means it's the opposite. Now, there are lots of things. So it could be that it's similar because they're both villains, right? Or it could be similar because they both have pointy ears or the picture could remind you of it. Or you might be talking about colors. There's no way to give clues to that to the people you're playing with. So you're basically trying to get them to get into your head and guess why it's similar. So the first round, you put one card down. It's going to be either similar or different. And they have to eliminate one of the 12 cards in the middle. Then this, you do the same thing again. You draw back up to five cards. You play another card. Again, vertically or horizontally, similar or different. Now they're getting more and more clues. It's narrowing down more and more. So the second time you eliminate two cards, then three cards, then four cards. And then you're down to two cards at the end. And they give you one final clue. And you're trying to guess which of the two that are left over that it is. And that's it. That's all there is to the game. It's very simple, very straightforward, easy to explain. So, Mike, what are your initial impressions of it? I think it's very light. It's not one that like I would want to pull out all the time, but I had some fun on both sides. I was a clue giver more often than not when we were playing this, just because of uh, <laughs> board game arena had some quirks that were making me like almost always be the clue giver. Like with a lot of these games, it kind of reminded me of Mysterium too. There is the potential yep. for frustration in being the clue giver. And also the frustration in being the clue receivers, because, you know, people just don't follow the same line of thought. But the nice thing is the game is so stupidly quick. Like, who cares? <laughs> if things go wrong, you're like, oh, you didn't get this? Wow, I didn't know I meant that. Because then you can just play again like five seconds later. And that's exactly what I was going to say. It is a game that we played so quickly and we just, it was one of those, let's play again, let's play again, let's play again. We played it a lot more than I thought we would. And sometimes we were using the same cards for the middle. So again, the only two that are available on Board Game Arena are the animals and the Disney characters. So sometimes we would be giving clues for Disney characters with animals and sometimes vice versa, or sometimes we just do Disney characters and Disney characters. So I think there's a lot of cool ways you can play it. I'm pretty sure these are pretty inexpensive packs. So I wouldn't mind picking up two or three of them just to have a little bit of variety there in how you play the game. But I had a lot of fun with it. You're right. It's very quick. It's not as complicated as these other games. But I think the huge advantage it has, as you said, is the speed of the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it looks like the average pack is 8 to $10. Which I think is fair. Personally, again, I didn't like it enough that I would probably go beyond one pack. 
it's not enough game there for me to like want to buy three or four packs. So if you think that like you need the variety of different characters and mixing and matching like what the clues and what the tableau is, then I don't know if the value will be there for some people. But Peter, you, you think you're in for at least like maybe two of them, right? Yeah, no, because I really enjoyed the craziness. And I know there's more craziness, the more variety you add in. So if you're doing giving clues for one thing with other things, like if you're doing Disney characters, you put Peter Pan up and Captain Hook's there and you say they're the opposite or whatever. Maybe it's very obvious. Well, maybe not obvious, right? Because people say, oh, it's not in the Peter Pan story. So I'll eliminate Captain Hook. So you do have to get in the mind of the other person you're playing with. But if you're doing animals and trying to relate it to Captain Hook, it's a very different story. And I think it's funny and it leads to some crazy moments. I know it's not going to be as skillful in that situation, but this isn't the game I want to be skillful at anyway. I want like crazy situations where dumb stuff happens. And I almost feel like something like the mind where if you're doing something so crazy, like trying to get somebody to guess Captain Hook by, you know, doing similar to a crocodile or whatever, then I feel like that leads to these moments where you either feel really clever or if you mess up, you go, oh, that was so hard. We couldn't have got it anyway. How are we supposed to get it? So I don't know. For me, it's similar to something like the mind, even though we're comparing it to code names here. And I think the other benefit over code names, at least for me, and again, I'm not saying that it's a better game than code names. What I'm saying is one of the benefits over code names, there's two of them in my mind. Number one, there's no words on the card. So you can play with kids as young as you want. And I think younger kids will be able to play this no problem. And then the other thing is you don't have to feel as clever with code names. You have to come up with your own words. Here, you're just given a hand of five cards and you are limited with how clever you can be or the, the extent of the clues you can give. So I think those are some big benefits, especially for younger players or non-typical board gamers. Yeah, it's funny. You said it's more like the mind. The more I think about it, I think it's even more like Mysterium. Because it really reminded me of being the ghost. Another potentially frustrating thing is to be aware of when you're giving the clues is that you do just have a random hand of five cards. And sometimes you have like really nice cards that let you really give specific clues and really narrow down what the uh, correct card is. Sometimes you don't, (laughs) you know, you have like five people with the exact same hat and the exact same beard. And you're trying to get people to guess that it's a bear. And it's like, well, that's not helpful at all. So would you rather play this or Mysterium though? This, because Mysterium takes way too long. Yes, yeah, so well, if we're comparing exactly to Mysterium, point. then yes, I would much rather play Similo. But I would much, much rather play Codenames than either one. Now, I think Codenames is a bit... If you don't know Codenames, by the way, Codenames Duet is the cooperative and uh, not soloable. <laughs> Just cooperative version. None of this stuff is soloable. And uh, you have, a again, like a big like, grid of cards. And in Codenames Duet, you know what some of the good cards are and your uh, friends on the other side know what some of the good cards are and you take turns giving clues and numbers. So it's a single word and a number like fire, three. And that means that three of the cards relate to fire in some way and you try to hope that your uh, partners pick the correct ones. And yeah, so I, I like Codenames more even though it does go a little bit longer than similar because I feel more consistently clever and I have more kind of free form ways to give clues. You can say whatever words you want. And like make whatever connections you want. Whereas in Similo and Mysterium, you're limited by the cards in your hand and things can get more abstract just kind of through the necessity of that. But I think it can also be a negative for code names. Some people just can't think of what word to say. Whereas in Similo and Mysterium, you always have those cards to give you some kind of inspiration. So it's more of a personal thing than me saying like Mysterium is worse than code names. For me, I think it fits in the category of games I like. I like games like Codenames. I like Mysterium and I like The Mind. And I think it's a good blend of all of them. I don't think it's as good as any of those games individually. 
maybe Mysterium. I don't know. Mysterium kind of wore thin on me because of the length. I almost feel like this would replace Mysterium in my collection of any of those games. It's a lot quicker, like I said, a lot more accessible, and I had fun with it. So I'm definitely going to pick up some packs. I think it's worth it. I think it's a good addition. If you like those type games, I think you'll enjoy it. And if you don't, well, I mean, you're going to know from our review that that's not your kind of game. Yeah, and for me, I'm glad you're buying it because I'm happy to play it. And I might borrow it to play with my kids, but I don't think I need to own this one. Code names is good enough for me, but I, I still don't disagree with any of the points you made. And I think this could work better for some people and is, I think, a cheaper buy-in than any of the games we mentioned if you only go for one pack. Absolutely. Yeah, it's worth buying in to try it. Just get one pack. And one thing I didn't mention, I love the artwork on it. It's very cartoony. It's very fun. The Disney pictures of whoever that you've ever seen before, they, they have their own unique art style and their own take on stuff. And I really like the artwork a lot on this, too. Yep, totally agree. I think it's a great kind of uh, physical presentation. All right. So uh, I guess l- let's vote, Peter. It's fun. Uh, Similo versus Codenames. I'll vote Codenames. Yeah, I'll go Codenames as well. I think Codenames is a better game, although I think they are different enough that I'm happy to have both. Yeah, no, I can see that. All right, so our next one, uh, I did a partial playthrough of this one. This is called Crime Zoom. It's originally from a European publisher, but it's being distributed in the U.S. by Lucky Duck Games. And uh, they sent a review copy of two of the cases, and we played through both of them. And we're going to be comparing it a bit to Chronicles of Crime. But to talk about Crime Zoom, the uh, reason it's called Crime Zoom is because you start with a a grid of cards. Hey, we got a lot of grids going on, Peter. (laughs) A grid of cards forming uh, the crime scene picture. So uh, you'll have all these things, but each card will have some element on it that if you flip the card over, you zoom in on that element and find out some things about it. And a lot of those cards, you then have a separate deck, separate from like the nine to 12 cards that make up this big tableau, this crime scene picture. And those uh, first cards in the crime scene will send you to other cards in the deck. Sometimes it'll form new smaller tableaus that you can flip over and zoom in on. Like if you go to new locations, And sometimes it's just like information and the stuff you discover. So you uh, explore as much as you want. You try to solve the mystery, figure out who did what and why. And at the end, like many detective and mystery games, they have questions that you can try to answer and find out if uh, you solved it or not. Peter, do you want to start with kind of your thoughts on this one? What stood out to you about this game? So I was very excited about it because, as you know, I love escape room games. I love these crime games. And so we started playing it, and it was very different than any of the ones I had ever played before. And the big difference is there's no real gamey elements to it. It's really just flip over the cards and read them. It's almost like reading through a story. Yeah, you can decide where to go next, but it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, you're going to look at every card in that deck. And so you're just reading through, and it's more of a can you put this story together from seeing everything that you've seen? So it was almost like a play or, you know, if you've ever gone to like a mystery theater or whatever, and you're trying to guess who did the murder by the end, it's more of that type situation and trying to figure out if you're on the same page with the authors of each of these different stories. I will say it's a little bit more brutal, I think, which is funny because, you know, when you're looking Chronicles of Crime, you see these bloody crime scenes with your eyes. You don't necessarily see all that, but the stories are definitely a little more mature than something like Chronicles of Crime. But I thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting, different take. Ironically, we're saying they're similar to these other games. But this one expanded beyond what I think you would see in some of the other games. I think it has new mechanisms. But if you're trying to have something that's really gamey, it's not here. Even the adventure games that were put out, you had more choices than you have here. Here, it's really like, all right, what order do you want to read the cards in? You're going to get through them all eventually. 
And can you answer the questions at the end? Yeah, like they they kind of suggest that if you can solve it flipping over fewer cards, that's better. But like Peter said, most of these games are gamified, usually in the uh, use of a timer. Like in the Detective series and Dune House Secrets, don't play it, uh, <laughs> you know, they uh, they have a limited number of actions, basically, and a limited number of resources to flip over cards. So you never see all of the cards in that game. And with uh, Detective City of Angels, probably my favorite detective game, you have a certain number of days to complete investigation. And if you're playing competitively, you're also trying to race the other players. And Unlock and Escape Room games, it's a little bit lighter, but they say you have an hour timer. Yes, you can play beyond the hour, but you know you kind of want to finish before that and you want to use fewer hints. So I guess in a way, the Unlock games are more like this one in that it's kind of all about your own personal score and like how many stars you think you got. But in the end, you can see everything if you want to. But yeah, like it, it can feel like Peter said, like you're just playing through a story and finding out some stuff and the gamified things are gone. But that's not necessarily a criticism. You might like that better because sometimes it's annoying in games when they're like, well, I know you want to find out more. I know you want to see the whole mystery, but ah, we say you're out of time because we say so. For some reason, you're a police detective. We only gave you three days to solve this case. That's realistic. <laughs> you know, so I didn't necessarily mind it, but I think it will rub some players the wrong way. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's one of these one-off games. So unlike Chronicles of Crime, where you have all these mysteries and the components can be used over and over again, and it's app integrated, that's the other part for Chronicles of Crime, where you don't have that here. If you don't want app integration and you don't want to get stuck and get frustrated by the puzzly nature of some of these other games, it's funny to say relaxing time, but that's really what it is. You sit down, you do it as quickly or as long as you want to. You're sitting down, you're reading through cards. You're like, oh, this has to do with this. And you're talking with the different people at the table and trying to kind of put it all together. And I don't know. I think it's probably the most relaxing of these games in a funny way, even though there's like horrific things going on in the story. Yeah. And to that same point, there's something I didn't think about, but I don't know, Peter, do you agree with me that this one was better for higher player counts? Like we played it with three players, one of the cases, and I played it with uh, four with my family. So so <laughs> we discussed this a lot, especially with like escape room games, like often they're best at one or two because it's just not enough stuff for people to do. You know, like in Unlock, yes, you can all look at the cards, but like really there's only a few that are relevant in the moment. So some of you don't have much to do. Or if it's a game with like, uh, you know, paragraphs, you uh, might have to pass a book around and like not all be able to be involved at once. But with this one, since there's like 12 cards out to investigate at a time, we were each flipping up a different card and then kind of summarizing for the others what we found out and then going to the deck and finding the cards. So this was the one I think that allowed us, for people who want this, to be the most simultaneous of maybe any of these kind of games that I've played. Like, I didn't feel like there was the downtime or the I don't have anything to do right now stuff that I usually feel with like three or four or five players in these kinds of deductive games. Did you feel the same way, Peter? Well, I think you can do it a couple of different ways. The way we did it was very different than the way I played it with my family. When I did it with my family, we would just read one card at a time to the table. And then the way we did it together was, as Mike described, you just kind of summarize what was on your card. And I think actually, if you do it that way with higher player counts, where everybody's kind of finding their own clues individually, and then telling you what we think is the most relevant information, I think it would actually get harder 
right? Because you're not going to get all the information and maybe you miss something. I do remember there were some cool moments when we we're playing though. And it's like, oh, this person did this. And it's like, wait a minute, I had a clue about that earlier. And you know, you didn't think it was important earlier, but now you have to go back, try to figure out which card it was, send that information to the rest of the group. So I don't know. I did enjoy it playing it both ways. And again, I think there's a lot of openness in the system. And is there a scoring at the end beside like how many questions you got right? No. And, and like, even that is like more a suggestion. Like, it's not like a lot of these games where it's like, if you got this many cards flipped over, then you have four stars. If you did this many, then you have three stars. Like, it's it's very just kind of, hey, if you care, try to use fewer cards. It's, it's very hands off. Yeah, but I like movies like Clue and things like that. I guess Clue's a bad example because they had different endings. So, you know, you couldn't really figure out that mystery. But I like these murder mystery plays where you're trying to figure out what is going on, even if you are a passive bystander. That's how I felt in this game. I felt like a passive bystander. But again, for the price of the game, as a one-off experience, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed going through it at my own pace and trying to see if I could be as clever as the author and like take the clues they were giving me and, and figure it out without the pressure. I, I felt like there was a lot less pressure in this one, even though you were answering questions at the end. I wasn't as invested, both in a good and a bad way. And I actually think more of a good way. If I got it wrong, I wasn't going to be sad about it. But at the same time, I did feel clever when I got the stuff right. Sure. Yeah, and looking online, it looks like uh, on online stores, you can buy the two that we played for about 10 bucks. That seems pretty good to me. There's like an hour to two hours, like longer than the average unlock uh, game, for example. Now, not an hour to two hours longer than those games. Just oh, one no, no, to sorry, two hours. Yes. Yeah, like it is one to two <laughs> hours and unlock games are an hour. Yes, so, sorry. Thank you for clarifying. But yeah, the, the, the big thing I always want to say for these kind of games is it's going to be better value for you if you can sell it, if you can trade it, if you can pass it on to another gamer or like a family that you know and they can play it too. It's going to be weaker value if like you just buy this for $10, you play through it once and then I don't know hang on to it for five years until your memory fades, which has, we've been doing with Unlock Games, <laughs> which is a bit fun. Yeah, no, I enjoy doing that. So it doesn't bother me. So I don't know, for 10 bucks, absolutely. Uh, I mean, would you, all right, so let's compare our comparisons. Yeah. For $10, would you do Crime Zoom or Similo? Well, I'd rather have Crime Zoom because I like these kind of games more. And again, I already have code names, so I don't feel like I need Similo, but that, that's where I would land. I'd probably go Similo because I have more situations that I would pull it out at, but I don't know that it's the same for everybody. I did enjoy the experience of Crime Zoom, but for me, I would still go Chronicles of Crime over Crime Zoom because you just have so many more cases and so much more value in the box. Yes. And I enjoy and I don't get frustrated with those moments where you don't find out everything and you have to pick and choose which way to go and it matters more. With that being said, I'd still buy Crime Zoom, no problem for 10 bucks. Absolutely. Yeah, like like it's another, I mean, we have a lot of these series now, but it's another one that I would just happily pick up each new one as they come to the States and, and happily play through it. In terms of it versus Chronicles of Crime, I think I'd also go Chronicles of Crime, but it'd be very hesitant. So we didn't really talk about Chronicles of Crime. Oh, it's also from Lucky Duck. That's funny. <laughs> I know Lucky Duck is only distributing Crime Zoom, whereas I think they were maybe the makers of Chronicles. Maybe they're only distributing that one too. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, Chronicles of Crime is an app-driven game or like app-integrated. Well, it's really app-driven, <laughs> let's be honest here, because the entire game is scanning QR codes on cards, and then uh, they have this VR portion that lets you like look at the crime scene, and you call out cards, and people pull them out. I agree with you that Chronicles of Crime is a better value just because of all the cases, and especially like with expansions that kind of build off of it. I do find Chronicles of Crime kind of frustrating sometimes, and I don't love the QR scanning. And I would definitely say Crime Zoom, I think, is better for a larger group. 
Because Chronicles of yeah. Prime is very tough for more than one person to be involved in at a time because you have to literally pass the scanning device around. Well, I think you need two, though, because you need somebody to find all those cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, yeah, especially for the crime scenes. Yeah. So Chronicles of Crime, I would say, is an ideal game at two, works at three. I wouldn't play it in any other count. Whereas Crime Zoom, I'd be happy like one to five, probably. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I'm more mixed. I, I might still fall on Chronicles of the Crime because there is a toy factor as macabre as it is <laughs> to uh, look at the crime scenes and have that VR. And I really personally enjoy that. Oh, it's so fun. But I think for a lot of people, if they don't want the app stuff, because Chronicles of Crime is so heavy in the app, Crime Zoom is very nice. And that is just all cards and you can all kind of interact at the same time. Yeah. So I think, again, as with Similo, you're going to know whether you like it or not, probably from our description of how to play it. Uh, I will say again, though, I do want to emphasize it is more mature than I think Chronicles of Crime or any of these other games. They get into more mature themes as well, not just the pictures that they're showing. So I would just be hesitant to play it with too young a player. Yeah, like I played with my kids, but I was very actively uh, (laughs) editing the storyline as we went. And then like for the end, I was like, yep, this is what happened. And I sent them away and I was like, okay, sweetie, so here's what actually happened. (laughs) All right. So uh, both of us voting for Chronicles of Crime, but only by a hair for me. And now let's get to probably our biggest one. The Crew Mission Deep Sea versus the original Crew. So, Peter, uh, you played this first. Tell us about the crew in general and what Mission Deep Sea adds to things. Yeah, so the crew is a trick-taking game, but a cooperative trick-taking game. The only one still... Oh, no, no, no. There's also the... um, Fox in the Forest duet. Yep, the other duet. Yeah, so many duets. (laughs) So, you know, you play a normal trick-taking game. There's four different suits, and you have wild cards as well. And you are trying to get certain people to take certain things. And in the first game, that's mostly what it was. You had a second deck of goal cards, which were basically the cards in the deck, and you're just trying to get player A to get the yellow three or player B to get the green five. And, you know, you get more and more of those different things as the game goes on. The way it changes in the crew Mission Deep Sea is they have a lot more interesting things, I would say, in that deck. So there are things like get more pink cards than green cards or never take a nine or take three of the four nines exactly or something like that. So the goals get, I don't know how to describe it, just more complicated, more interesting, But at the same time, you could also have setups right away you know that can't be done because it's like take more pink cards than green cards and take no pink cards could come out at the same time and the same player has to take both for whatever reason. So there's pros and cons to Mission Deep Sea. I guess I'm getting more into the review at this point than the explanation, but that's the basic explanation for how uh, Mission Deep Sea works. So Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, you nailed uh, the you nailed the nail on the head. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, the big difference in Deep Sea, the major difference, is the goal cards. And overall, I think I like them better because I feel like they lead to more varied experiences. And even playing the same mission can be more interesting than in the original crew for me. But you're right that they just can get wacky sometimes, can get confusing, can be contradictory. And it's not like in the original crew, you didn't have missions that were lost the second that the cards were dealt. You know what I mean? Or at least probably lost unless you find that 1% play that happens to get through things. And in a way, maybe it's better to find that out when the tasks are dealt instead of halfway through the hand. (laughs) But I think Deep Sea still has that problem too. Still has games where you think you're fine and then you find out, oh, whoops, never mind. Things were like never going to work out because of, you know, you had too many of that suit in your hand. So I think this could go either way. I've seen some people on our Discord say that they think Deep Sea is better if you've already played the crew. 
and will be like too complicated for people who are new to the crew. And I would also say like you and I, Peter, are, of course, very old hands at trick taking games in general. So it's not like any of this seemed way out of like left field for us. Whereas somebody else, I think I might recommend the crew to somebody who's never played trick taking games before. I just think it's a little bit easier to wrap your head around. But that being said, as me, someone who's played through all of the crew a bunch of times, someone who has played a ton of trick-taking games, I appreciated the greater variety and I think sometimes challenge of Deep Sea. And the nice thing is, while I don't know if it works perfectly, the crew had a major like player count problem, whereas Deep Sea, while it doesn't offer a two-player, which is probably a good thing, two-player in the crew was kind of crap, um, <laughs> Deep Sea only has three to five players, but they changed like the number of goals you need and stuff based on player count. Uh, so... I think that's nice. Or no, wait, they don't. Is it the goals worth different values based on player count? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're they're worth different values. So you you know, for mission one, you do one value worth of goals. Mission two, it's two value, and they do things to vary it up, just the way they do in regular crew, where it's not always just draw this many cards. You know, it's not like in mission fifty of the crew, you're drawing fifty cards. <laughs> they do other things to vary it up as well. But with these goal cards, they'll have different point values on the back, and the point value will change based on your player count. Sometimes, not always. Some cards are just as easy no matter what the player count is. But it's an interesting way to vary it up. And in that way, yes, you will get a different number of goals based on player count. Because if it's harder at a certain player count, then you will have less goals because that's worth more points. And then, you know, you're going to get less points worth of other cards on the table. So it's a very interesting system. I do think they are very similar, obviously. You know, you're playing the game the exact same way. A lot of the goals will be very similar. If you're looking at a one point goal, it might just be get the yellow nine or something like that. So it's not like it's a huge change to the game. And that's part of what I want to get into with you in a minute too, is having some questions about, do you think they fixed any of the problems with the original crew? Any of the things that you had issues with? Do you think it's better in this or do you actually think it's worse in this one? So here's the thing. I love the crew and I hate the crew. It was still one (laughs) of my top, top games of last year. And I think Deep Sea might be one of my top games of this year. Because I love trick-taking, and I love cooperative trick-taking, and the fact that's something that is very tough for me to get played. Like, I used to play a ton of bridge and spades and all that kind of stuff. The fact that now I can play it, like, whenever, like, even with my family without uh, (laughs) having horrible, like, fights and stuff is great. But we do kind of still have horrible fights, because the game can still be frustrating, and, like, the distribution can fall a different way. And whereas in competitive trick-taking games, the distribution falls one way, then a team benefits. Here, it's like you all lose, and you have to shuffle the deck again. So did it fix things? I think it somewhat fixed the player count problem. I think that works much better, and that's good. And I think it fixed some of the variety issues I had, because once we'd gone through all the missions, I was like, all right, I mean, I'll play it more, but it gets very repetitive. But I do think it introduced some new ones, like and we've already kind of said that. Do you kind of feel the same way, Peter? Well, the big problem I had with the crew, and I think it didn't fix this, and I think it's still a problem and maybe even more of a problem, is not only focusing on your own goals, but also what's in front of other players. A lot of times you'll lose because you just forgot that this person needs the blue five. And it's not like the goal cards not right there in front of you, but the goal cards are actually really tiny cards. And the cards that you're playing with are normal size cards. I almost wish it was not the opposite because I don't want tiny cards in my hand, but I wish the goal cards were giant cards. So it makes it very obvious what's in front of other players because what we'll find ourselves doing, and I feel like it's cheating every time I do it, is saying, don't forget, Jerry needs the green five because if you don't remind somebody, then 
everybody at the, you know, it only takes one person at the table to forget to completely ruin the experience for everybody. So it's not like I'm saying play the green five now. It's just like, don't forget Jerry needs it or Jerry can't take any more reds or yellows or whatever. So I think there's a fun cooperative element to doing that, but I almost feel like it's cheating to some degree too, right? I I feel like you're not supposed to be talking and saying things during the game. So it's a, a weird mix for me, that part of the game. I love it too. Don't get me wrong. But that part I don't think is any better now. And I think it's worse because with more complicated goals, it's a lot more things to keep in your head. Wait a minute. We got to do this, then this, then this. And I almost feel like there's more table talk than there should be. And maybe that's just our games. But I feel like if there's not that table talk, that's when I get the most frustrated because I'll literally just play the wrong card because I'm not thinking about goal C. I'm thinking about goal B over here. Well, yeah, and especially, it's interesting. We, we didn't even get all the way to Deep Sea the last time we played. I think we were like uh, eight missions away from the end. But it definitely feels tougher and more like grindy than the crew. Like we just had to try a few of those turns over and over and over again. And it is what you're you're saying, Peter. I feel like, I mean, it's been a while since I played the crew's final, like last few missions. But I feel like there are more objectives on the board in Deep Sea than there were in the crew. Well, the objectives are harder, right? Because it's not just get the green nine or whatever. There's things you have to pay attention to. And again, maybe you're right. Maybe it's even harder because it's like, oh my gosh, he's got to get the first and third trick and she's got to get the green eight, but the green eight came out in the first trick. How are we going to, you know what I mean? Oh, I wasn't thinking about the fact that she needed that. You know, it's just, there's a lot of stuff going on and keeping them all in your head is hard. But like you said, it's, it's for better and worse that when we replay a mission here, it's going to be completely different because the goals are very completely different. So if we play mission 50 in the crew, it'll be different because of the numbers that come out, but it'll still feel the same. Whereas here doing the same mission over and over again can feel very different because the goals can feel very different. Yeah. So it all comes back to the same thing. I think I would recommend the crew deep sea if you are a more seasoned trick-taking game player. And like at this point, I would probably, well, huh. I was about to say I would rather own Deep Sea, but the game I own is the one that I might play with my family. And in that case, I'd rather keep the original crew. That's interesting. (laughs) I'd rather play Deep Sea at your house, Peter, or like play Deep Sea at a convention, but I'd rather own the crew to have more easy accessibility. Like if I just want to bring it to like play with my parents or something, I think it will allow that. And I want to say very clearly for two player, just get Fox in the Forest duet because the crew two player is is not great. And the crew DC doesn't even allow us to two-player play. So yeah, so there, there is no question which of them wins for two-player. But yeah, I, I think, huh, I was going to vote crew deep sea, but if it's a question of which one I own, I'm going to vote the crew. Yeah, I mean, I said this exactly when I came back from Origins and we had played crew mission deep sea. I said the exact same thing I'm going to say here, which is exactly what you've been saying. I would play the crew first. I would even say for seasoned trick takers, I think the crew has enough variety. There's 50 missions in there. And I think people will think it's clever what happens. I almost feel like Crew Mission Deep Sea is an expansion. It's not. It's definitely its own different game. But I almost feel like you should play the crew before you play Mission Deep Sea. So if I'm going to own one, it's definitely going to be the crew. But I like having the variety and the new things that Mission Deep Sea brings. Sometimes these expansions, or not expansions, standalone games, second editions, whatever you want to call them, They replaced the first game, and sometimes you don't need them at all. Why did they even make it? 
I don't feel like that is the case for Mission Deep Sea. I think the first game is a great game, and I would always start with that. But I think once you hit a certain point, and once you've played all the way through all 50 missions with the crew, and you're tired of the same old thing, and you want to try something different, I think the Mission Deep Sea provides that different, that change of pace. I agree with you. When we play, we're probably not going to play regular the crew anymore. But I wouldn't want to start somebody with Mission Deep Sea. I think it's a just a step too far for introducing it to somebody, even if they are trick takers from way back. All right. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a bit of a complicated answer there. So we were both for Code Names, we were both for Chronicles of Crime, and it sounds like maybe we're both for The Crew. Yeah, Mission Deep I Sea is so. more of like a, a, a niche or nuanced uh, recommendation, whereas we can both fully recommend The Crew. So, uh, yeah, so that sounds like uh, the older game won in all three cases, Peter. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, but these are all also very light games. I mean, Mission Deep Sea is, you know, actually heavier than the crew. But the other two are definitely lighter and less replayable experiences. Although, let's be honest, we played Simolo over and over and over again. And you, who didn't like it nearly as much as me, were the one who's like kept saying, let's go again, let's go again. Oh, of course. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I feel like Simlo is the kind of game that's going to grow on you over time. Crime Zoom was great. I mean, look, we said Chronicles of Crime, but neither of us are not going to play Crime Zoom next time the next one comes out. And Mission Deep Sea, we'd rather play over the crew. So all of these games have a great place They're all something that we want to play again. We're glad that they all exist. None of these are games that we're like, why did they make this game? I think they're all good in their own ways. Now, Peter, interesting question for you that's popped in my head. We both voted for Chronicles of Crime, but would you rather spend $10 on the next Crime Zoom or like $40 to $50 on the next bigger box Chronicles of Crime with like five or six missions in it? Because of our lifestyle, the way we're playing games right now, I don't need any more Chronicles of Crime. I haven't played all the Chronicles of Crime I've had. So I would definitely do the next Crime Zoom because I have so much Chronicles of Crime that I can pull off my shelf and play at any moment now. Yep, I'm in the exact same place. I still would say Chronicles of Crime is probably the better game for me. But yeah, 100%. I would rather play one Crime Zoom because the nice thing is you're just done, right? It's like, boop. Exactly. <laughs> I don't have to look at it anymore. I can pass this on to somebody else. Whereas Chronicles of Crime, like, ooh, we, we only have two missions left. I can't get rid of this box yet. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So it depends what you're looking for. And I think people have gotten that out of the review is, you know, for all of these things, it depends what you're looking for. Hopefully we did a good enough job of explaining the games to determine whether you'd like them or not. Because I can see people that would absolutely hate Similo. I could see people that could actually hate Crime Zoom. Similo, it's too simple. It's too quick. It doesn't have enough meat on the bones. Crime Zoom, is it really a game? I'm just reading through cards and then like trying to answer questions at the end. You know, what are the choices here? Mission Deep Sea, I think, could be too heavy for some people. So I think they're all going to have their detractors, but I also think they're all really good games and I had fun playing all of them. Yep. All right. So there we go. I guess that was sort of six reviews in one. And plus, we also said don't play Dune House Secrets, so you can call it seven. <laughs> oh, man, you were just killing that game. I mean, I mean, you got to see my review because, Peter, you didn't get the full experience, but it is a, it is a, oh, man. Yeah, actually, you know, okay, can I talk about this for a second? Because I don't think we're going to do a podcast on this. Can I talk about, like, this is a little after dark, okay? So this is a, maybe Peter can put this after the outtakes. All right, so stay tuned afterward to hear our thoughts on Dune House Secrets. But thanks for joining us again, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. 
Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. All right. Yeah. So we'll put it after the outtakes for people who don't want to hear us bashing on uh, house secrets. We'll, we'll do it after the outtakes. Yeah. So here's the thing. This is a very interesting phenomenon. I'm going to talk about this in my video review as well. So Ignacy, who I think is a really good designer, much more successful designer than I'll probably ever be. You know, he did Robinson Crusoe and a lot of other good games. So he did a blog post, Peter, about Dune House Secrets. And he said, you know, I'm paraphrasing. He said a lot of people complained about Detective and said that it was a bummer that uh, you would like be working really hard. You'd be really into the case. And then you get to seeing your boss and you would have something wrong. And the boss would just be like, no, actually, it was this. And it would be like a downer. Like it would feel like it messed with that fun crime solving experience that you had. And I literally said that in our review way back when. Like I said, I hated not just that it would be a downer, but that the boss magically knew all the answers. And I was like, why was I detecting in the first place? So that was a thematic break, the boss knowing all the answers as opposed to something else. So he said that's a problem, which is interesting. Like literally like from what people like us said, he was like, oh, I recognize that, which is great. I love when designers take feedback and kind of look at their own game designs. We certainly (laughs) admitted many errors in our designs. But so here's the fix, he said, Peter. Here's the fix. And he did this for Vienna Connection, which I didn't play. And he did it for House Secrets. He's like, oh, okay. So people don't like being wrong. And people don't like that experience of being told the correct answers. So instead, let's not have them detect. Right. Let's not even ask them any questions. There's let's, no answers. Yeah, let, let, let's make it. Or Well, there's all the, all the answers are handed to you on a plate. So instead of you actually like having to show you fa- figured out anything, instead they give you a story-based, like, choose-your-own-adventure thing. It's like, okay, so do you want to go to the shopping mall or do you want to go to the car factory on the next mission? Like, that's the choice you make at the end, and they never actually ask you, so who was the killer? Because they know you know. They told you who the killer was on five different cards. My problem with that, compared to other detective games, is that I feel like he made the entirely wrong correction. Because I agree that it was frustrating with how Detective did it. But if you look at Detective City of Angels, if you look at Unlock... If you look at Chronicles of Crime, like we were just mentioning, what they do is if you get a question wrong, Chronicles of Crime doesn't always do this, but in many, especially of the newer cases, they do. If you get a question wrong, they say, whoops, you don't know what you're talking about. We just figured, found out this. That person has an alibi. Go back and investigate more. And they just give you a little bit more time. And then you can come and try again. That's fun. (laughs) Okay. Like finding out that you're wrong and then being given a second chance is at least for me way better, but they still have an investigation. Ignacy chose to just throw away the heart of the game. And, but the thing is, <laughs> they didn't make it a dune. Like if they made it a dune adventure story and you were just making like choices and reading cards and it was like a fun story, that'd be great. But pretty much every one of the missions, they played them all now, pretty much every one of the missions is a investigation. It's like you literally have a murder investigation. It's like, you need to find out who killed this person and why. And then it doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> don't make it still the exact same detective framework, but then make it not a detective game. And, and actually, uh, another comparison, Peter. Now, I do like Deckscape, and uh, we haven't talked about Deckscape that much. But in the Deckscape sort of escape room games, how it works is you say what you think the solution is, and then you flip the card over, and they're like, here's a solution. Were you right? And, you know, the, the, it's out at that point. Unless you're playing multiplayer and you don't show the card to other players. Like, y- you can't go back and erase from your brain what the correct answer is. Whereas uh, something like Unlock, which has the app, will be like, uh, nope, you drew this card. That's not the right card. Think about it and try again. 
So even though I really do like Dexcape at this point, at first I didn't, I still don't like that aspect of it compared to Unlock. And I hate what they've done with House Secrets compared to something like Detective City of Angels. Like, let me try again. Show me I'm wrong. Don't tell me the answers in the original Detective. Or way worse, don't never ask me. <laughs> right. Yeah, so Dexcape I do like more than you. And here's why. You don't get stuck on any puzzle but at least there is a penalty. And you could explain it thematically. All right, so where are the tripwires? Oh, you didn't find one of them. You lost some time. You know, now you have to go a different way or you have enemies chasing after you, whatever. You know, you get an X. Like, there's a penalty for it. House Secrets, when I played it, there was no penalty. There was no nothing. It's like, do you want to do this or this? And either way, you're going to probably find out some useful information. I don't think there's wrong ways you can go. I mean, maybe there's ways that are more useful than others, but it just... As much as I said Crime Zoom kind of told you the whole story, at least you did something at the end. Whereas in Dune House Secrets, I felt like you were reading a story, then there was just nothing. Like, that was my biggest problem with it. And I didn't find the story that interesting either. Yeah, and, and the story does get a little bit better. But yeah, there's a lot of weird decisions in there. Because the things I haven't talked about, and again, I'll have this all in my video review, but that might not be for a while. Because I'm not like trying to rush to beat up a game. They also have a legacy aspect, Peter. I don't know if you saw that, where there are stickers that you like put on this like sheet just so you can never sell the game to somebody again, I guess. And <laughs> all they do is give you more tokens, generally. So they could have just said, get two tokens for each player at the end of Mission 1, get two tokens for each player at the end of Mission 2. But no, they were like, ah, let's, stickers are fun. Everyone likes legacy. Let's just throw some stickers in this. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. No, yeah. I did not see that portion of it. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's great. And then uh, the other thing is, uh, this, we discussed this a lot in Discord, because they're not asking you the question because they want you to know the answer beyond a shadow of a doubt because they're never going to like try to find out if you know the answer. It doesn't matter which way you go. It's in the most like blunt in your face way possible. It's like uh, I'm trying to find out uh, who stole the shipment. So I can go to the enemy barracks or I can uh, go to the scene of the crime. And if I go to the scene of a crime, there is a child there. And he's like, I saw who stole the shipment. It was these people. It's like, thank you, random exposition child. So glad you were there perfectly to see this stuff. And if I go to the barracks, I hear like the enemy soldiers loudly talking through the wall. Oh, yeah, it was us who stole the shipment. Oh, we shouldn't have done that. That was pretty bad. And it's like, <laughs> no matter where you go, you're going to find out the answer. And it's not going to feel clever at all. It's like even you don't even have to figure anything out. It's like bad NPC exposition in a video game. Like, oh, don't you know that your father hates you? Don't you know that he's the one who betrayed you? You know, like they just, they just say it to you. You don't figure it out. Uh, anyway. I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I don't want to like go on forever about this, but it was very frustrating, especially because while I didn't love, love the original detective, I love Dune and I was very excited to play a Dune game. And then I got this. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be it for our after show. So thank you everybody for joining us. Bye. Hey, Mike. Yeah. I got a secret. What is it? Don't play House Secrets. <laughs> nah, that's, that's out there now, man. We all got that. <laughs> Dang it. It's not a secret anymore. I still like Chronicles of Crime better. Sorry. I called it from the beginning when everybody was debating those two. Oh, I mean, well, the thing is, Detective City of Angels is better than all three, um, I, than any of them, I would say. But actually, you know what? That just got a glowing review from Shut Up and Sit Down. So I think uh, I will not be screaming into the, the wind anymore about how Detective City of Angels is better than all the rest of these detective games. I think that's going to be a widely held opinion very soon. Yeah, we'll have to play that one again soon for sure. Yeah, I've got the expansion. So I got a ton of cases now we can try out. This is the longest Hey Mike ever, by the way. And hey, it's not even Peter. funny anymore. Yes. Have fun editing this. Zing! <laughs> <laughs>